You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco. This is episode 275 on September 16th, 2022. Our co-host, Peter Alchel, will be in as soon as he can. And once he is in, we will definitely welcome him as we always do. So without further ado, let me offer some thanks to those people who make it possible for In Perspective to be aired. We have Raymond Gay, of course, our producer of the program. We have Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place Chatline, who posts our shows weekly on bulletin board number 15. We have our media sources that air the program when they can, and also Jacqueline Sylvia, our website designer, who kindly archives our programs on my website, which is www. .brancoevents.com. And I want to give a shout out today to a faithful listener of In Perspective. I want to give Randa Hasley a shout out. Welcome, Randa. Thank you very much for listening as much as you do. And thank you for the kind words about the show as well. I think Peter is here. Peter? Maybe not. Well, when Peter comes, he will definitely give his contribution. We are very pleased today to have with us back for another appearance, the Reverend Michael Garrett, along with Pam Shaw. They're going to be talking about critical race theory, racial relations, and any related topics that may come up as well. Welcome, Reverend, and welcome, Pam, to In Perspective. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm going to tease you a little bit. I am also Reverend Pam Shaw. <laughs> oh, that, well, my apologies, Pam. That wasn't Not at all. That wasn't mentioned to me. So, okay. All right. Well, it's great to have two reverends on the program. <laughs> and, of course, Reverend Mike, we want to thank you for coming back as well. Thank you, Bob, for, for the invitation. Okay. Well, First of all, I would like one of you to mention, just for the benefit of our listeners, and for me as well, actually, what is the definition of critical race theory, and why do they call it that? Mike, you want to start? I'll start. Uh, basically, it is a uh, an academic uh, structure based on looking at uh, the looking at America through the through the lens of race law politics social construct and econ- and economic constructs to to gauge whether there is truly equality, or if there are inequities. That's the shorter version. <laughs> and why so has may, it... Oh, oh, Pam, yes, please. Go ahead, Reverend Yeah, Pam. absolutely. If I may hear with a bit of a, 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 if you will, scholarly type approach to this, but a very a pra- practical approach to it as well, is to put it simply, critical race theory is the well-documented understanding 
that systemic racism exists at the very foundation of our country and continues to shape our lives today to the detriment of Black, Indigenous, Asian, Latinx, and other people of color and to the benefit of white people. So when did it really evolve into a classroom subject? Go ahead, Mike. It started It started basically as a theoretical construct. I, I would say, uh, I guess it got its wings in the 1980s, but it started, the people started looking at it back in the 60s and 70s, but uh, there were several professors who really brought it forward in the 1980s. And uh, uh, I, I have a comment in a, in a few minutes by one of them, one of the, what I would call one of the progenitors, who was uh, Kimberly uh, Crenshaw. She was one of the uh, progenitors who started this. She does a lot of work on intersectionality theories, uh, especially f- feminist uh, theories of intersectionality, how those things work together. And so this this fell right into her her bailiwick uh, of, of looking at critical race theory. What is intersectionality? I'll let you take that one, Pam. Sure. Intersectionality, um, sometimes because it's a, a word that we would commonly hear in our language, we take that kind of uh, definition of it. But in the context of this discussion, it has to do with the reality that people um, who, with different areas, so for example, you might have a person who is an African-American woman versus an African-American man, that they experience, each will experience discrimination and racism differently. So it really addresses the idea, it's not because you're just a certain type of person, but it is the reality of what that coming together of various components of who you are will actually mean in your life. You know, I have a comment to make at this time. I was really pleased in this regard back in 2008 when President Barack Obama became president. I really believed, and maybe it's just me, and maybe I was just off base at the time. I really believed that when the first African-American president was elected in this country, that was the ultimate acceptance. But I guess I'm way wrong because of what's been happening in the past several years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right, because what I understand and what the, at least the data shows is, believe it or not, during his presidency, there was an increase in race-related crimes and in also the uh, assembling of various groups rather publicly and even in some commentary. I mean, I'm like you. I, I like to think that that did make a difference, and I believe it did. But there still has been a reality to what's happening relative to racism and, in particular, institutional racism. So you had the the, the duality of a positive and negative happening. Yes, it 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 was a step forward for for especially in the. I like to look at the something called the black psyche. It, it was it was a step forward in dealing in dealing with the the black psyche in the black community, but you notice at the same time 
there was this 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 malicious uh, movement to make sure that he failed. Not only even not only in Congress itself, but in the in the in society. So you had all of that beginning to build up, and it has turned into where we are today. Well, that's very unfortunate because I, I I really was disturbed, especially after the the George Floyd incident and everything that happened after that, <clears throat> the problems that evolved during that time and all the riots and everything that went with them. And Bob, you had asked a question earlier too about when this really uh, came up, or in in my mind, sort of reemerged. And I'm glad you mentioned it because it was relative to the George Floyd murder. And as you know, many things began to be talked about, and for uh, in, ten, in terms of some things, it surfaced. And one of the questions became, "What are we going to do about this? You know, what are we going to do? We now see it; it's right there. You know, there was video." and all this kind of stuff, and what are we going to do about it? And one of the things that I believe and I'm committed to, and that's why I'm very comfortable in talking about all of this, is that we really cannot heal. You know, we can't extinguish this, even this racist violence from our present if we don't address the problem at its core. And so we can't talk around it. We can't even talk about it. We have to talk to it with an eye towards getting the job done. There was a. Let me add. Let me add a little bit to, to what Pam is saying too, because because now I think I want to I want to throw in the, the 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 comment I heard by Kimberly Crenshaw the other day that she was in a, a, on an interview, and so she got asked the question about critical race theory. And she said, it's boiled it down. She said, it's how do you read America? And so I took it a little further. She, I, I can't remember exactly how she explained it, but that, that was a, a bold statement to me. How do you read America? In other words, when you turn back the pages of history, go all the way, you can go back to, to the early development of America, decade by decade, generation by generation. You may see it a little bit differently than I do, because you may be looking at it through uh, different lenses. But how do you read America? It's history, it's good points, it's bad points. All of these, the facts, and this is where the theory is, and this this is, it's a theoretical look but it, it's based, to me, on facts, our history, our current situation. How did we get here, and where do we go from here? And that's why I'm, 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 I'm really opposed to a lot of the, the uh, folks who say, let's keep it out of the classroom. There are certain elements of it who, which should not be, especially in... in elementary school, but but you want to erase history? Do you want to tell the truth based on the facts of history? I think and the Bob, latter. If I may, go ahead, Bob, if I may, and here's, here's the key to think about it, okay? That is, we 
talk about these facts, as we re- reveal them, as we teach them, the idea is what we're trying to do is work in a way so that future generations will have the tools that they need to overcome this whole area of what boils down to systemic racism. And and that's why in this day and age when we are still seeing attacks on people, by the way, not just African Americans, on people simply because of the color of their skin, we have to actually up the discussion. And again, particularly relative to systemic racism. You know, getting back so, to the question, Peter, go ahead. You know, Hi, Peter. I, I want to talk, I want to get you uh, folks to react to the following. And, and, and Pam and, and uh, Michael, welcome. Thank uh, you. So here's, here's my thing about history. And I've been thinking a lot about this, about this recently. H- history it can, uh, consists of sort of two things, if you will. It, can, it consists, as Mike said, of facts, right? You know, the Civil War started between this state and this state. You know, all, all these facts that we all know, the, the March on Washington took place on this state. And those are all facts, and those are really important. And then you have the issue of what I like to call myths. That is, what are the myths of this country? What, what, what are the things, what are the myths? Now, myths, remember, myths are, have some, at least some element of truth. There's no, myth has some element of truth, but maybe not be fully true. But, but how do we view this country sort of feelings-wide or myth-wise? And I think part of the, the, part of the reason that critical race theory is getting the challenge it's getting is because we, sometimes we all live on different, have different takes on or different myths of our American history. And myth busting is a really dangerous thing to do, uh, it, it, because because we were raised around myths, and if if we have those myths uh, torn down around us, we sometimes get sort of uh, unmoored, if you will. And so the, the question I'm sort of wrestling with these days, and I've been thinking about this stuff for a while. I've done a lot of work in diversity and inclusion over the years. It's how do we have that conversation so people feel safe enough to have them. So that these myths that we were all uh, that may be different, um, we don't we don't feel threatened. Our myths don't feel totally threatened, so we don't feel totally uh, unmoored. So my question to both you, Pam and Mike, uh, what do you think about this? Do you think I'm onto something? And if we and if you do, what do we do about it? Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> okay, so. Myths, to me, especially as it relates to race, uh, it's it's like people believe a certain uh, thing about a, a race of people. So you put you put everybody in that race in this in this bag. You know, you you lump everybody together, and you say if if a if a black person if I see a black person they're more likely to. If I see a Hispanic person they're they're more often going to, or if I see an Asian person they they believe or they act a certain way, and so those myths uh, characterize the people, but not the individual, and so what what. What we have to be able to to get to, and this is what we really want to do, is get to a point where we can talk about people, individuals, not 
groups, not a group of people, but individuals. Because I like the way you you couched your your header, Peter, about relations. It's race relations. We want to have relationships with people, not just you know of any race. And I would argue, Mike, uh, in addition to what you just said, is that. Uh, white people weren't the same things. All of us white people act in certain ways, right? That's sort of the myth of, of whiteness. And that also right. plays into all of this as well, right? And also, right. for that matter, disability, right? We, we, all of us disabled folks or blind folks act a myth. We, 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 we are supposed to act a certain way. And the danger of all that is, of course, it's not true. And the other danger is if we don't act the way we're supposed to act, then all kinds of weird stuff happens or can happen. You know, so that's the other sort of issue about all of this. But I, I, th- I, Mike, I appreciate your comment. Peter, so, here's Mike, the real let me, deal. Let me, let me, Go ahead. Peter, here's the go real ahead, deal. Go ahead, okay, here, here is really the real deal. We're going to have to go to the core of the matter when it comes to racism, not just the symptoms that we see, mm-hmm. but the real cause. So in my case, on a personal note, just to give you a a comparison, my blood pressure was high, okay? Now, the medicine Mm -hmm. can treat that, but the real core is that some things are happening in my body when I eat some certain things that are causing the problem. Here we have here, you asked the question, how do we move? Here's how we're going to have to move. We're going to have to come out of safe space and move to brave space. We cannot continue to have these sweet uh, afternoon diversity, equity, and inclusion teas, and we're going to have to go down and really drill down the discussion of racism, which would be the core, and that's when we'll be able to see the change. We've got to move from safe to brave, even in our discussions. I, I so, like this thing uh, so, about the myth, the myths, because because for for too long, I'll give you an example. For 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 a long time, it was thought that black people crowd the welfare roles until it was finally. Pro- and, I, and I was in a meeting, and we were having a, 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 a strategic uh, planning meeting at, 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 at this organization. I, I was in this meeting and. The the, pre- the presenter, who was a white female, busted the, that myth where all of the white folks were sitting in, that were sitting in that room. And she told us, she said, it's not true. There are more white people on welfare than there are black people. And I wish I could have seen the looks on those folks' faces. So what's the core matter? How do we get to the core, even in terms of bursting mythology? Truth. Okay. So let me ask it a little differently. What's really behind that kind of thinking? Don't worry, I don't know the answer either. I just asked the question. What I'm thinking is personal safety. I, I want to be in a safe place to protect myself. Peter, Peter has, has, has done this uh, earlier. I know you talked about tribalism, Peter. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so people want to be in their own particular safe silos 
so that so that they they always feel safe. But when those myths, those those thoughts, those characterizations are broken into, then you can start to have real conversations. And 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 all and for those of you who know, I say this a lot on uh, when I talk about this stuff. Uh, in my book, Writing Elephants, Creating Common Ground While Contention Rules, I talk about the thoughts channel and the feelings channel. And all conversation and all interactions happens on both channels simultaneously. And unless both channels are activated uh, uh, thoughtfully and soulfully, you're going to run. We're going to run into trouble. And um, and so part part of this from safe to uh, brave is making sure those channels are activated appropriately. And one other thing I will say about this uh, is that the way you start, I think, Pam, and I'll be curious to know what you think about this, safe to brave, mm-hmm. is you start with what do we have in common? Because once you know what you have in common, and it may be, you know, uh, maybe you have kids, maybe you have kids, maybe you, maybe you're married, maybe you're sports fans, maybe you're uh, do similar kinds of work, maybe whatever, maybe you have similar experiences. Once, once people understand what what the commonalities are, then we can, then we're in a better place to talk about differences. I think and you're I've right because we from, can get. To, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, you so, said it. I I've said learned. I've learned this from. from yeah, yeah, and I've 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 done this kind of work for thirty years or more, and that's the thing I've learned the most is that you you can't go into a situation with a discussion about whatever ism or whatever is you want to talk or contra- any controversial topic effectively without having some sense of what binds us together, and mm-hmm. it's so much easier for us to talk about what makes us different, you know, and that and that's what the media feeds upon. That's Reverend Mike. I have a question for you. Getting back to the welfare issue, I believe it was you who brought it up. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Is Are these stats where white people are on welfare more than people of color? Is it the percentage of that population that's greater than the percentage of the other population? Because obviously the two populations are not equal in numbers. Unless they are, no. But, uh, yeah. So, Mike, what do you what, what do you what do you make of that? Yours. Well, I I don't recall whether they whether they talked about percentages, but the sheer, the absolute, uh, as one of my friends says, the raw numbers. Well, I would think percentages would make more sense unless the two populations were equal in in, yeah. in yeah. size. But we yeah. know we know we know that that there's that that populations aren't equal because there's you know uh, the black population in America only accounts for about thirteen percent of total. Exactly, and, which 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 flashes a light on me because if if thirteen percent are black, then wouldn't it be oh what's the word I want logical if the if the other 88% or 87% of the population, there were obviously more of almost anything simply because of the number. Well, I think, I think the rationale was, and see, here's, here's how, uh, I'm a numbers guy, okay? I worked, in, I worked in, the, in the numbers field. You can make numbers say anything, and be, especially if you don't tell the whole story. And so... 
it it could have been the way the the the, the numbers were presented. And you say you look at the if 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 you say that a larger percentage, and I don't know this, okay, a larger percentage of 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 black uh, recipients are on on the rolls, uh, as opposed to the absolute number of of white recipients. Then you could draw a picture that that make it that makes it look like that uh, black pe- more black people are on on welfare uh, than any other race. You see what I'm saying? Here's my challenge with this, and here's my challenge. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Here's my challenge in a discussion like this, and and I don't mean to be rude or abrasive, but just honest, because I'm brave enough to say it. So what? Yes, you are. (laughs) So what? Yeah. And And I'm not putting down anybody for bringing it up or following it up. I'm just pointing that this is the challenge of getting to the core issue. Right. And, and see, those are the kinds of, of things that, that, that we face from a psychological. That's why, I like, that's why I like to look at this black psyche thing, because we hear statistics. We, 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 we get bombarded with certain things. Uh, on the media, uh, we are portrayed in a in a in a different way, but that does not always uh, represent the truth. And 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 so that was one of those issues that was thrown out there to to make the the black psyche, uh, you know, upset uh, and. It's always it's always uh, uh, given uh, this this idea of when we develop jobs, you know. Well, we got to develop these jobs so that so that uh, black people can go to work, you know. Because the myth is all black all black uh, women do is is have babies and get on welfare. So hardly. <laughs> so, because because let me let me say again for for that for you to the two hosts. I apologize because I really don't mean to take over your show, but this yeah, time heard. is very valuable to no, me. No, yeah, to go, right go right ahead. Go right ahead. I won't be invited back, right? <laughs> so, because here's what happens to us. And by the way, I said us. I didn't say you. Is we can get mired, if you will, in the minutia of all of this, or even to some degree in the mythology of all of this. And we are bypassing innocently, and by the way, unconsciously, because as Mike said, we are bombarded by, you know, media and things like that. And we start talking about things, and guess what? We're not talking about racism. We're not. And that's why we are still in the pickle that we are in after these many years. And we're going to stay there until we move away from the symptom and go to the cause. In your opinion, Reverend Pam, or Reverend Mike, you can chime in too. Black Lives Matter. Do you think they're doing their job and making things right? I'm just asking objectively. Good question. I'll let Mike answer it. <laughs> I think there are some positives and negatives because I think the 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 general 
idea of Black Lives Matter is to say to the public, we do matter. Our lives matter. Don't don't come to to my neighborhood and think that you can kill my 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 children or my 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 wife or my husband and say and say I feared for my life and and be dismissed. Our lives matter just like just like anybody else else's life. But then to to go into the politics of it to say defund the police, especially to take funding from protection and put it into mental health. I, I think I think we got to rethink that whole that whole thing. Uh, a social so, worker is so not going to a social worker is not going to handle a gunman like a cop can, and that's no offense to anybody. Because I'm a social worker by profession. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I agree. Cam, I, you know right. what I, I agree. You got it. Yeah. In most movements, you've got to look at the things. You got to look at things realistically. And, 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 and as Pam says, we got to go to the core. We got to get to the core. Why do? Why does a white cop think he can come into to the neighborhood and and shoot a black? especially a black youth uh and 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 feel okay about it and the answer is because there's a system that supports that type of behavior that's how we get to systemic racism okay because it's coming up still go ahead i'm sorry you may say something Peter, I think. No, no, keep going, keep going, Cam. Yeah. Keep going, because, Cam. I, and I and it's it's something. still and it it and it is still there. We are still having the murders of black men and women by those who are supposed to be enforcing the law and protecting them. And then the second part of that becomes the fact that the Black Lives Matter movement. I would have said one more thing that they didn't say. Add one word, Black Lives Matter 2, meaning Mm T-O-O, because Mm -hmm. that was real what it was about. So when my friends say to me, all life matters, I thank them very much and tell them they just agreed. They just came to an agreement with me that Black Lives Matter 2. And that's that's what we were trying to get at. Yeah. And so in that movement, go ahead, Bob. I keep hearing on a lot of radio shows this thing about Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, white, black, whatever. But the but but the argument I think that, that, that Pam is saying is that what I, what I'm hearing her say uh, indirectly is that the argument is that for many of us white people, black lives don't matter as much as white lives matter. We we and we can see that actions. systemically. We can see yep, it. We can right. see it in how schools are funded. We can see it in how wages are distributed, and 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 we can see it in how laws are passed that appear one way but disadvantage another group. So we can see mm-hmm. medical care. You, know, you remember uh, that more you know, black I, people died in the p- pandemic. Um, and they really began yeah. to look at it. That was another light that I was, I yeah. sort of knew about it, but it was fascinating to me that you could actually see the difference between the quality of health care between yes. black and white people and, and the fatalities in the pandemic. Yes. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I get excited. Uh, <laughs> you're listening. Oh, you're li- 
distribution. You're listening to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco and my co-host Peter Alchel and our two guests, Reverend Pam Shaw and Reverend Michael Garrett. It is time now for our participants who have been waiting in the wings to Yay. chime in, so to speak, and get involved with our discussion. So, Ray, do you see any do you see any hands um, raised? Lynn, I, I think. Whoever has that. Whoever has the speech, please shut the speech off, please. Thank you very much. Okay, Ray, go right hey, ahead. Hey, Lynn, take your first. Uh, hi. Um, first of all, hi. I totally agree with what Pam is saying. We have to go to the root of the problem, and that is uh, systematic racism and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it really is. I think a lot of times people make this very simplistic. They say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, kind of like, like the, the welfare uh, discussion. I agree, by the way, um, about the percentages. I think that that might be true. You know, there are plenty of white people on welfare, especially poor white people in Appalachia and stuff like that. But I do think that when we're thinking about what we mean by these terms and, you know, critical race theory and Black Lives Matter, the problem is that they set up real uh, hazards for white people, you know, they're afraid about, oh my God, you know, what does that mean? And they get scared and all that kind of stuff. And I agree with you. I don't think, I don't, first of all, I don't think defund the police was ever a policy of, of anybody. I think that was a fiction. But even if it was, um, I think it, a lot of times that a lot of people of color have been frustrated by the inequities in our society, uh, as Pam was just saying you know, uh, economic inequality and other inequalities. And of course, you know, if a white person is pulled over and a black person is pulled over by a police person, police person, police officer, you know who's going to get targeted more often or, or, or people are going to assume things about that person. I mean, it just is true. And I think if we don't look at this, and I have thought about doing... Um, uh, calls for just white people only because I think it's it's it triggers people who are African American and people of color if we talk about the the real stuff and how racist uh, our country is. So you know I do think this is a very serious topic. I think mm -hmm. it's a very timely topic. And you know I know that my son who's who's Puerto Rican and Jewish, Puerto Rican on his dad's side, you know talks to me about how he feels if he goes to a small town here in Washington State. He does, he feels uncomfortable. I said, yeah, I get it, you know. So I think that we have to really recognize and acknowledge that that the elephant in the room. I, I know your book has elephant in the title, Peter. So, you know, I think we have to acknowledge this and, and say that, yes, this is something we have to reckon with. We have to reckon with it. Slaves were not happy people, you know. Slaves were not happy to be slaves, you know, like some of the myth-making is. So I think we have to really acknowledge these things, and that's what I have to say for the moment. Thank you, Lynn. Elizabeth. Could I Thank just you, may, maybe wait one remark to what um, Lynn is saying? And I think this is real important, something she said. We need to create the opportunities where white people can feel safe so that their bravery can come too. Because a lot of my white friends have said to me, Pam, I'm afraid if I say a certain thing, I'll be judged as a racist or some, you know, kind of white supremacist, and I'm not. So we need to create those opportunities as well and I be agree. comfortable with doing it. And if we do that in ACB, I would support it because I think it's important. 
And I had Elizabeth, I had a, just oh, just sorry. on the opposite extreme. I had a I had a, 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 a lady friend that you know we went to high school together, and you know it was an eye opener for her being integrated. But long story short, she disagrees with her family, and she, they've they've kind of had a little separatism in their family because she sees the sensitivity of being more sensitive toward black people and her family thinks just the opposite. Can I just say one more thing? I tried tried to do this call um, and I was going to call it social justice for white people but then the powers that be did not want me to do it and they told me to talk to the MCAC as you know Michael, as you know and so the way that I'm going to do it is with a book and then we'll use the rubric of the book to discuss some of the things like white supremacy and stuff like that and um, I have somebody in the MCAC who will do it with me so that's the way we're going to do it for now but I really wanted to do it in a different way and I think that people even in ACB are really afraid to tackle this topic that's why um, calls like this are fantastic. Right. Thank you. All right. Elizabeth uh, Johnson, you're up next. Hi, everyone. Elizabeth Ann Johnson from Cambridge. Um, great topic. Um, Pam, I agree with um, a lot of what she just said. Um, not only uh, the way racism is um, seen, you know, you know, distributed in, in, in different ways, but it's also felt in a lot of ways. Um, and um, it, it's really unfortunate that we all can, cannot just come together. Um, you know, we, we are there, but we're not 100% there. And um, it would be nice that, you know, we continue these talks amongst um, one another and hopefully you know everyone can come together and meet somewhere in the middle because racism is is a very strong um, you know word and it's I, I feel that a lot of things um, a lot of things are set up for our black, people to fail, you know, um, and I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but it's, it's set up in a way for, for our black people to fail in a lot in, in those areas. So it, you know, it's, sorry. No, no, keep going. I I do want to comment, comment when you finish, but I want to make sure you finish first. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it's, it's really un. It's really unfortunate, you know, that still in these times we are living in this uh, racist world. So that's all I have to say. Thank you, Peter. Just just a quick comment uh, about all of this. Um, you mentioned the word racism being felt, right? Not just thought about, but felt uh, to sort of. Uh, and I just want to make a comment, and again, it's something I say a lot in my in my books and things. Feelings, not thoughts, drive action. It's not the it's not the thoughts that that's the energy behind moving things forward. It's the feelings. You got to address the feelings. Uh, thank you, uh, Ray. Who's next? Next up is Beth. Hey, Beth. Hello. 
My um, bad. There, yes, I I not only think that uh, they're setting setting stuff up sometimes for black people to fail. I think sometimes they're setting things up for other minorities to fail as well. I do not like the term Latin X for myself um, because I'm not an X of anything. And I don't have any other agendas. I'm just a, a Latin woman. Beth, you know, I, Beth, I never heard that term till today. Really? I, I have. Latin I've X. heard it from the California, from the California liberals. But I'm not one of those. I'm a conser- Latin conservative Christian. But I'm not very. I'm not that con. Well, I'm conservative in some ways, and um, and I'm. You know, not that conservative in others, and I've noticed it like with my own children. They are biracial, and um, the youngest two are comfortable with it. The oldest one does not like being. I don't know why you got involved with this man, Mom, because she looks different than we do, and she resents it. She does not like. She will not call. She calls herself Hispanic, and I don't blame her. But she doesn't look Hispanic. A lot of people will tell her, you know, and she's like, "Oh well, I am. Too bad." <laughs> yeah, I have, some, uh, you know? I have some friends. I have some friends who don't like that term either, and I don't. I don't either. I don't use that kind of term to describe anybody. X signifies to me you're crossing them out. That's not. That's yeah, that's what I think and of it. And yeah. it's that age-old thing of language, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm. Because just like all black people don't like being called black, some don't like being called African-American. We right. did a call one time, and it was amazing. And some people said it depends on what the circumstance is. So here we go with language. Right again, language. Peter, always critical. Thank you very much. But yes, I, I do believe that, especially if you're blind or have another disability, that, for instance, um, people that get put in rehab centers, or and especially if they're minorities, I think that they almost make it impossible when you get discharged. Um, well, they'll be back in about two years. You know, that's what the the CNAs and nurses and them are saying. And you're like, no, I won't. I don't even like it here. You know, I won't be back within two years, but they they think you will, and that's not good. And and they do set stuff up for people to fail as far as housing, as far as um, different support systems that they have for you. They don't have enough support systems and things like that. All right, very thank good, you, Beth. Thank, you, thank yeah. you very much for your comments. Right? Thank you. Uh, Deanna, you were next. Ah, hey, Deanna. Hey, Peter. Um, well, it's it's a very strange thing. Um, <laughs> I have been tapped to be community leader for my low-income neighborhood, and I remember when I was getting ready to move in, my daughter was very upset because she dropped me off and I was putting shelf paper down and doing some pre-cleaning before we moved in. And um, 
she came to pick me up and there was police and broken glass and a woman screaming at the policeman out in the street at the top of of my cul-de-sac street. And she said, Mama, I didn't see a single white face on the street. And I said, baby girl, the Javaris were not white either. You know, know, because, um, you know, my husband's name is Latin, Latin. He isn't. But he was adopted by a stepfather who was whose parents were from Mexico. Um, I'm Native American, but because I had one white grandma, I'm the lightest skinned in the family. So people think I'm a Filipino. They think I'm from the Caribbean. They think I'm Puerto Rican. You know, I've even been mistaken for Vietnamese or Chinese because my eyes are slightly tip tilted you know, with a little bit of an epicanthic fold. Um, <laughs> so it's it's really bizarre to walk through the world and have people make judgments about you just by how you look. And it's bizarre because as a blind person, I can't see what I look like. And I really don't know what I look like. The last time I saw myself, I was eight years old and had long, um, dark braids and a little round baby face, you know, so I have no clue what everybody's getting excited about. But I do know that Native, Native American women are thought to look exotic and the, the numbers of missing and murdered are three times what they are for white women and yet we very seldom hear the stories except through the the native grapevine um there was a horrible murder of a young woman and she was eight months pregnant and the killer admitted to cutting her open and removing her baby while she was still alive and you know we know that story but i would bet that 90% of the people here don't know anything about it. But, you know, the little white girl goes missing while she's on a trip with her boyfriend. And every story on the news for weeks was all about Gabby. You know, it's just, it's, we know the statistics because we made a point of knowing it. And we fight very hard to protect our young girls and young women because of the their exotic high cheekbones, their long, dark hair, their dark doe eyes, they are targeted. And it's scary raising girls in this world. Deanna, I wanted to share a statistic that absolutely floored me. You reminded me of it. Uh, uh, There was a piece in the New York Times the other day that talked about how the COVID uh, virus has shortened the life expectancy of Native Americans by six years. Six years. I was absolutely flabbergasted. And it all has to do with, you know, uh, the, the poor health that these, you know, the, on the reservations and all this stuff. And the lack of support they that? got. I mean, you know, one of the stories that made me cry <laughs> was um, from the Coville in Washington State. Being sent body bags when they were asking for PPE, masks and gloves. Yeah, I, I, yeah. 
I mean, you know, stuff like that happens. And, yeah, and I, I know that that story that you were talking about, Deanna. I know that story, but see, you do, you don't you, you have to check other media sources to find out things like that. Oh, sure, and they it, eventually yeah. got stuff, yeah. but that's what they got first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and you know, I, 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 for me, when I hear stories like that, it doesn't matter what you know. Uh, when I hear stats like the one I just quoted, it just yeah. makes me feel very, very humble, right? And like, mm. you know, and I have lots to be thankful for that other folks might, I have uh, privileges, if you will, or, or um, graces or blessings that other people don't have. And, you know, for me, it just makes me feel that I need to be re- respectful and not speak too loudly because no, there's so much well, stuff I you don't know, it's, this, it's, it's painful sometimes. Um, yeah, you bet. I've, was accosted on the street when I had my two babies with me, a toddler walking beside me, my guide dog in my left hand, baby in the front carrier, and a woman walked up to me and said, haven't you ever heard of birth control? So, So I'm standing there looking at her and thinking, my God, you just see an obviously not, well, not white girl with two beautiful babies and a guide dog going about her business, and you think you have the right to go and get in my face? So the only oh, thing no. I could do was to stand tall, like my mamas and my grandmas taught me, and say quietly, yes, that's why my daughters are two years apart. Thank you for your concern, miss. And direct my guide dog around her to walk away as fast as I could. And how many times have we all experienced that as blind people? And I would imagine, Pam and, and uh, Mike, that this stuff happens fairly regularly among black folks as well. These just ridiculous questions or ridiculous piece of advice that we're given because we are not as good as you are. And we think uh, it happened to me the other day. And we happen uh, to take uh, all their tax money, not the fact that we pay our well, taxes too. <laughs> but see, guys, here here is the challenge. Even here, here is the challenge. Even here, because again, I certainly mean no offense to the to the host, you know. But it's kind of what happens. We start on the topic and then we drift. And and I'm not yeah. being critical. I'm just making an observation about how easy it is to to move away. So at the but, end of the day, we've had good conversations. I would I would argue, Pam, that Diane, the Deanna story about is 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 as racist as the stories that you and Mike have been no, sharing. No, don't miss don't 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 misunderstand the, the <laughs> no, portion of the story either. I'm relating no. to. Okay, I'm I'm not talking about necessarily about the story that would happen or the relevance, but how simple it is to move into the symptoms because that's what we're used to instead of trying to move towards the core. That's all I'm talking about. Of course, so, the okay, story is race related. Of course. Here, 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 here here's where here's where I, I what I I hope for us to accomplish. We always you know, always have a goal in in any of these discussions. Oh, and, 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 and by the way, we're going to have this, we're going to continue this discussion on, uh, September 22nd. So, so join us. Uh, it'll be out over the, over the, over the media. But we always want to get to a point to where we can get to that brave space, where we can open up the avenues for people to talk, where we can, hopefully, this is hard to do, is change people's opinions and change their hearts. 
because at the at the at the heart of the matter matter, it's what's in your heart that counts. How you see individual people for for themselves, not put me in a racial construct and say, oh, he's black, he's gonna he's actually gonna do this. You know, so we want to get people to the point to where you see a living, breathing human being who has worth, regardless of their race, their skin color, uh, or, or their their economic or socio yeah. socioeconomic status, whatever the case. We have four minutes. I just wanted to make sure that there are hands raised or no hands raised, right? Ray? Uh, touch, touch me. Um, you are. First okay. of all, thank you very much, Deanna. Very, touch, very important point. Touch, you're next. I don't know. Maybe we should go to the next one. Um, Is there another one? Is that you, Touch? Yeah, that's me. You're okay, next. Perfect. Yeah, um, to get back to the uh, topic of critical race theory, uh, there's a reason why it is so uh, maligned in the use in schools and so forth. It's the hottest you know, issue around right now. And I think the reason for that is because it is a mistbuster. And this nation is based on its own variety of myths. Uh, and if we have critical race theory, we're going to be busting those myths, which is what we want to do. Quite well taken. I like that. But my, my, my question to you is, we may want to bust those myths, but we want to bust them in a way that, that we're, we're the people who have those myths still feel somewhat supported that's the challenge right because quite a challenge yeah uh, it is a challenge but that's 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 what makes this hard anyway uh i've said enough thank you thank you uh for that comment i think it's dead i, I agree hey we have about one minute to go ray do you have anybody waiting i think we should just uh, do comments and stuff all right well in conclusion let's hear some final thoughts from the panel members Pam and Mike, you talked about the core of the matter. You've said that several times, and I think that's really important. What do you think the core of the matter is? What do you think the core of the matter actually is? What, you know, what, when everything comes down is, is, stripped, is, is stripped away, what is the core? Oh, was that for me? Yes. Both of us. I don't care. <laughs> Go ahead, Pam. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> no problem. Okay. As Mike said, the, the core of the matter has to do with how we see one another, starting with, believe it or not, how we see ourselves. And I still believe that you can't get to that core. I've heard somebody use the example of the onion, you know, until you have to start peeling back the layers so that you can really get to, for lack of better language, and I like Mike's point about the heart. But even with that, we can talk about it in language that's quantifiable and it's qualitative and does produce results. Because conversations like this 
are making a difference. I think we have about 15 seconds. Tell the truth and believe it. Thank you, and thank you very much for having uh, the time to be on this program this evening, Reverend uh, Pam Shaw and Reverend Michael Garrett. You've been marvelous contributors to this discussion, and we appreciate you very much. And we we'll bring you back. I know I appreciate this opportunity. And thank you. Will, you. you will be back, absolutely. <laughs> Peter's correct. As long as you want to come back, you can come back. <laughs> so thank you again, folks, for being with us today. And thank you, Peter, for as always, and Ray, and our participants. And Yay. you folks have a wonderful day. Next week, those of you who know about Newsreel Magazine, your editor will be on the program, Erwin Hot. That should be a fascinating Ooh. show. Yes, he'll be here next week. Have a great week, everybody. Go safe with God's thank abundant you. blessings. God bless you all. Take care. Bye-bye.